Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Are you grateful to be in God's house this morning? Are you, are you grateful for... Uh, that your lungs have breath. Amen. You know, I was uh, thinking on that. We should meditate on what we're actually singing and saying. But I, I said, Lord, forgive me for ever misusing the breath. And, and that means uh, occasionally, just me. I know y'all never say anything pithy <laughs> to anybody. Uh, just me. And so um, that's a misuse. of the, If the breath in our lungs belongs to God, then um, he needs to dictate by his word our, our speech. Amen. Mm -hmm. So occasionally we can be irritable. Maybe we didn't have our coffee. Maybe you had too much coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, whatever reasons we want to give for that, it's a misuse of it. Amen. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I ask the Lord, make me more conscious of, of that Holy Spirit. We'll turn in your weapons manual this morning to the book of Ephesians. Let's learn about one of our weapons of mass destruction against our enemy. Amen. Isn't your Bible a weapons manual? Mm -hmm. And Sundays are when you show up for uh, training. And you thought it was just the coffee. Weapons training. Verse 16, you with me? And I'm going to read the Amplified. Uh, Look carefully, then, how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately. In other words, you could be casual and careless and not pay attention to your walk. And that would be easy. Otherwise, Paul would not be admonishing us to pay attention to our own walk. Notice it says yours, not other people's. <laughs> That's a none your clause, none your business. Worthily and accurately, which means we can uh, walk unworthily and inaccurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, and intelligent people. Verse 16, making the most of the time buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. That word evil means they're shortened. Uh, anybody feel like time has shortened? Mm. It's moving faster. Even scientists said a few years back, they thought perhaps they had miscalculated the 24-hour clock and it should have been 22. But they realized they didn't miscalculate, but time has actually sped up. Anybody notice how the sands of the hourglass uh, appear at least to speed up? At least you would be able to sense or feel that visibly and physically. So that's the time that we're in. As, we, as you near the end of the timeline, uh, it accelerates. So we have an instruction here. It says, uh, buy up the time because the days are shortened or they're degenerated from their original purpose. Therefore... Do not be vague, thoughtless, and foolish, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. That means you could have a propensity to not understand the will of the Lord or to understand it and not uh, hang on to it firmly. So if I were to, uh, Kayla, just uh, hold on to that, you know, lightly. So easy if we take her away. Now hold on to it firmly. So when God asks you to understand, but he also asks you to firmly hang on to his will, that means it was your responsibility. That means somebody or a bunch of somebodies were going to be interested in taking away the will of God from you, like distractions, 
Even people that say they love you, even people that think they have your best interest at heart can easily distract you. We are already know we have an enemy that's determined to uh, make sure that we don't have a firm grasp. So uh, make sure that you're not loosely grasping the things that are God's will in his word. And we're talking about the known will of God. There's much uh, in the known will of God that we're to be about the business of doing. So I like to go into this a little bit from uh, the Greek and Hebrew. So the word redeem in verse 16 means that you were to buy up, ransom, and rescue from loss time. So you're to pay ransom for time. Time has been kidnapped. It's being held hostage. And that you have the ability, because God doesn't ask you to do something that you don't have the ability to do, because he gave you the ability. So he's asking you to ransom and buy back time. What a fascinating instruction. Because the days are short, the opportunity, that means the time, the period, the age we're living in, they're hurtful and degenerated from their original purpose. They're morally derelict. Does that sound like the days that we're living in? Yeah, God originally had a timeline and that days or times and seasons were set apart for his purposes. So saying the days we're living in have been morally degenerated from his original purpose. In other words, Satan has a purpose for the days we're living in. But that's not our purpose. Amen. So uh, many people think that money is their most valuable commodity. Actually, time is the most valuable commodity. Commodity being something you can trade for something else. Nothing easier in the universe to obtain than money. Some people have a challenge holding on to it or using it wisely. But there's nothing easier to get than money. Um, nothing harder for you to control, manage, be wise about, steward properly than time. Or how many of you with all your time-saving devices have noticed that you have less time than before you <laughs> bought them? Because the manual alone to, to learn how to use it has eaten up all the free time you had. <laughs> so our time-saving devices, our time management tools, they're not managing time. They're not saving time. They're actually in increasing the, the stress. And so if time is your most valuable commodity, then it's something you'll want to understand. So what is time? A non-spatial continuum. Even scientists have said it is limited into this uh, time period or this atmosphere, it, which events occur apparently in succession in one direction, past, move into the present, and go into the future. In other words, time does not go sideways, time does not go backwards. Ever heard it called a timeline? Because it's a line and it's moving in one direction. It's a non-spatial. It's not part of outer space. It's uh, limited and proportioned to where you're living and walking, not into the third heaven. Amen? Mm -hmm. And so it's a non-spatial continuum. The duration regarded as belonging to the present life as distinct from the life to come or eternity. So time will not be a part of eternity or the life to come. It's distinct and limited to you. Um, but you would ask maybe the Lord the question, Lord, I see you telling me that I am to do something with time. How do I manage or control or stop something I can't access with my five physical senses? Can you see time? No, you can see the passage of it or the effects of it. Look in the mirror. We can see the effects. <laughs> um, can you touch time? No. Can you taste it? Can you smell it? Can you hear it? So those are five. So God is asking us to do something about an intangible. It's not tangible. We cannot access it with five physical senses. So um, if He asks us to do it, obviously the answer must be in the Word. Amen. Ecclesiastes ten nineteen says, "A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes merry, but money 
answers all things. Notice it doesn't say money is the answer. People misquote that. Well, money will answer all things. No, no, no. Money has an answer. Sometimes money says my answer is I'm not your problem. Money isn't the answer, but it has an answer for all things. The word answer there in the Hebrew means this. Money pays attention, speaks. That means money has a voice. Everything has a voice. It sings, it shouts, it testifies, it announces, and gives an account of all things. Everything in the universe has a voice. The fig tree had a voice, right? Jesus couldn't answer something that didn't talk first to him. Just because the disciples didn't hear it audibly, everything has a voice because everything is made of subatomic particles. Everything has an ear, everything has a voice. So everything moves on something called sound waves, quarks, correct? So we all remember our physics, our science class some days, right? So what is the will of the Lord? Number, verse 16, make the most of time and buy it up or ransom it back. So how do we do that? Our money supposedly is backed by gold. Anybody that knows anything about that knows there's no more gold. But however, for sake of argument, let's just suppose that our currency, our paper currency is still backed by the gold in Fort Knox. Gold is worth on the present day market. It it runs what? Anywhere from $1,200 to $13 on any given day an ounce. Yes? Okay. So uh, our uh, paper money is backed by that. So every day of your life, you're engaged in buying this uh, right here without knowing it, buying back time. Anybody save time cooking dinner and go through the McDonald's drive-thru and get a Big Mac? Did you just buy back an hour? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why would one make a hamburger at home when one can buy one in five seconds instead of making it for an hour? Okay. You buy back time. Do you have, any of you ever have somebody maybe cut your grass? Yeah, but you bought back time. Anybody run their car through the car wash instead of washing it? Anybody send their clothing to the dry cleaners instead of washing it? You're engaged in buying back time. Now, what you do with that time you bought back, some people are just watching an extra soap opera or two and eating bonbons. Other people might be uh, investing it in sleep. But you are buying back time every single day of your life to, to do things that you would choose instead of what that time would be spent on, Correct. So you're actually engaged in this process uh, very easily without even thinking about it. So now you see how possible it is. So here's what the Lord has asked us to do about buying back time. So you're exchanging uh, your boss. He pays you something called dollars, right? You go down to your place of work and you trade 40 hours of time of your life in exchange for these things called dollars that he gives you back. Then you take these dollars and you go to the McDonald's drive-thru and you trade this dollar back for time, which is represented in a hamburger. So see the cycle that you're engaged in constantly. Only God asks you specifically to do something in the word with a specified sum for buying back something that he was interested in. So this is literal. Uh, it says here in the, in the Greek that we are to recover ownership of time with a specified sum for winning souls. Anybody want to guess the specified sum written in the word of God? 10%. That we were to recover time with money for the purpose of winning souls. Anybody want to guess what God's foremost purpose, passion, plan, and interest is in the earth? 
souls. Okay. So he's asked you with this little thing that we call money that you were to buy time back, not for watching more Netflix, not for eating a hamburger. All those are fun things on our own, but he had a purpose. He said, I need you to buy time back with money to win souls. So we're going to get with God's plan. Amen. So uh, in the Hebrew, the word sharem means, uh, I say the Strong's for those of you who want to look it up, H2763. This word uh, tithe means marked for destruction. So I'm going to show you what that looks like. So this week, Melanie went to work her work week, and she was paid by her boss $10. And of her $10, tithe, which means 10%, uh, would be $1, yes? Okay, so uh, this dollar bill that she gets did not have a red X on it from her boss. But when she gets that in her uh, wallet or her paycheck, it's uh, in the spirit, it has a red X on it. Because the Bible says 10%, doesn't matter if you believe it, doesn't matter if you do it, your belief system doesn't change the truth just the outcome of your life, it was marked for destruction by God. So to him, he says, this is blood money. This is the money that the blood of my son purchased. I want you to take it, and I want you to put it in my hands to destroy the works of the enemy that I might have my plan, which is souls. So when you take the mark for destruction money and you go, I'm under grace. I don't have to tithe. Mama needs a new pair of shoes. (coughs) Uh, You know, daddy needs some new tires. I want a new washing machine. The kids need to go to Disney World. And you take the spiritual marked for destruction, which means goes off like an A-bomb in the hands of the enemy, explosive. Where does the explosion take place? In mama's shoes, in the washing machine, that you're like, these things break, they wear out. The kids got in a fight, Disney World. Somebody got salmonella poisoning. The marked, what, what, nothing just doesn't ever go right. Because the marked for destruction by God, just because you didn't believe it, doesn't change his truth. It goes off wherever it's placed because he designed it that way. It was designed to go in the storehouse of the church. The pastor would appropriate it for the winning of souls, and it would destroy the works of the enemy. And it would overflow into your life for the works of the enemy. He's not after your money. He's after the destroyer in your life. It will give him legal right to keep the destroyer at bay. And when you take his blood money and you put it in your life anywhere you want, then it goes off as a continual time bomb, and, and the destroyer has free access, and you can't figure out what the Harry's going on. <laughs> Blood money. This was for the purpose of souls. And uh, it took me years. I want to say I just now figured this out. I would hear people say, and we've only been married 33 years, but we tithed even when we were heathens and in adultery because we didn't want to steal from God. We mailed our tithe to the church. See, that's that line. We were stupid, but we weren't crazy. (laughs) And uh, stupid can live, crazy dies early. 
And uh, so God preserved our lives, and that's why we're standing here today, because even in our worst of our worst that we didn't know anything, we're like, we're not going to be thieves, and we, we feared God enough to mail our tithe to the church. We didn't want to darken the doors of the church. We didn't want to struck by lightning, but uh, we, we made sure we, didn't, we weren't touching blood money. We knew, we knew enough to not touch the blood money. The mafia doesn't <laughs> touch the blood money, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're not sure about that, Tampa's very well equipped with one of the mafia families, and we live in Chicago where there are two out of the 12 residing there. Um, it took me, I just figured this out after all these years. People would say, I don't have enough money to tithe. I completely did not grasp what they were talking about. And I think it was this week I got a heavy reverie from the Lord. I met him, what, what do they mean by that? And he's like, because we took our tithe first and we would say, we don't have enough money to pay the rent. We'll have to get another job. We don't have enough money to eat. We'll, we'll have to believe God or something. And we would not have enough money for things we articulate, but I could never figure out what people meant. That I didn't know that they weren't tight giving it first. See, when you write that check first, <laughs> there's no such thing as not having enough for it because it was already gone. And the 90% I had to live on, I might have needed to get some more education, get a better job, believe God, put my hand. I might need to do something about that, but I couldn't figure out what people were talking about. I'm sorry, I've only been in ministry a quarter of a century. I'm just a baby. I literally figured this out last week. Isn't that amazing? So if you stick around, you'll learn something. So when you're writing that first, getting rid of that blood money, making sure the king has his, what you make happen for God, God will make happen for you. There's no way that you can't live abundantly on the 90%. So get involved with God's plan for souls. Amen. Um, You pay for that and you will not have a shortage. Are you ready to tithe? We live in exciting times, don't we? Amen. Amen. Um, so we want to welcome everyone here to Life Family Church. If, this is, if you're a newcomer, you should have received one of these when you came in uh, this morning. Uh, if you would, please, there is an information card in there. Just fill it out. Take a couple minutes to do that. And then on your way out, stop by the Source Center because we have a free gift we'd like to give mm-hmm. you. So be sure and stop by there. And then also, um, you know, one of the things that I love about our church is exactly what Pastor Marie was preaching this morning and what our pastor has been telling us for years. One of the things I love about our church is that our leadership is serious about reaching the lost. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not playing with it, mm-hmm. okay? They see people and they see things through the eyes of eternity, which is how we should be seeing things, okay? Because there's going to come a day we're going to stand before Jesus, And all this other stuff won't matter. Mm -hmm. What will matter is how many souls we brought into the kingdom, how much we did our part to increase the family of God. Amen? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. You know, and another thing that I love about our leadership is that they are serious about revival. Our pastors are serious about this Mm -hmm. end time outpouring that is coming. It's coming. Amen? And they are contending for it, and we should be too. Amen? Mm-hmm. Amen. So with that, um, like Pastor said, this Saturday, um, we're going to have a revival meeting at um, Pastor Steve Burton's church, Renovation Church. It's over off the Hardin Boulevard. We need to come and we need to support our pastor. We need to bring our faith. We need to be prayed up. We need to believe God for this end time outpouring. Amen? Amen. So that's um, Saturday at 630. We'll also be doing soul winning that morning um, at 1045. You can see Kayla uh, Walton or Lexi McDonald after service for information on that. They leave out of here at 1045 and they share the good news in the streets of Plant City. They knock on every door. Never underestimate 
the power of an encounter with the gospel for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, let's see here. Oh, First Tuesday prayer has been moved up to April 9th because of the awesome. How many of you came to the revival meetings? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. goodness. Yeah. Wow. Anybody else's life's changed besides mine? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. It was amazing. It was amazing. So because of the revival meetings, our um, LCU got moved up a week, and so our prayer meeting's been moved up to Tuesday, April 9th. So please come and join us for corporate prayer so that we can lock arms together, we can lock our shield of faith together, and we can get some things done in the spirit realm. Amen? Amen. Um, drama team, if you have a gift um, for, um, in, in, for drama, uh, doing songs and um, things of that nature, it's not me. I, I told Lexi, I said, I'll be your prop person, <laughs> but I don't have that gift. So um, if that's something that you're gifting, you know what? That is a powerful ministry, drama is. So if you're the least bit interested in that, see Lexi after service, and she, she will give you all of the details. And then Saturday, April 20th, we have our Easter outreach coming Oh, my goodness. This is so amazing. I love it that our church does this. Every year, we honor Jesus. We honor Resurrection Sunday by sharing the gospel, by opening up um, our doors and our hearts to people to say, come, come. And um, we, we offer free food, a bounce house. And um, it's just it's a great time. And we reach the community with it. Um, I think we have a video. Do we have a video? Okay, awesome.
That was at uh, the Plant City Stadium. We had over 2,500 people come to that event. And um, we had, it was 150 salvations, something like that. Something like that. Um, it, was, it was amazing. People got baptized right there on the spot. It was absolutely amazing. So um, we need volunteers. So in the Source Center is this uh, clipboard. So if you would please stop by there. If you haven't signed up yet, please go ahead and sign up. We have a place for you. You don't have to be on the service team to take part in this. We're encouraging everyone, please put your hand to this. We'll find something for you to do. We need your help. We need you. All hands on deck. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, also, we have, listen to this, we had 13 bikes donated. Yay! 13 bikes. And I think we have something like, I don't know, eight Easter baskets or something now. So we don't need bikes and we don't need baskets, but what we do need is we need gift cards. So if you would please swing by a coffee shop, Publix, a local restaurant. What'd you say? Chick-fil-A. (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Swing by Chick-fil-A, get a gift card, and let's just really love on these people. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll Mm -hmm. know we are Christians by our love, and it's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. Amen? Let's show them. Let's show these people God's goodness. Amen? Okay, so we don't do bulletins in our church. Um, We do emails. So if you're not on the email connection, please see myself or um, Chrissy after service, and we'll get you connected. Um, Also, we have our ministry Facebook pages, and uh, any and all news is on the website, lifefamilychurch.net. Are you all ready for the word this morning? Amen. Amen and amen. Ready to give? All right, lift your offering toward heaven. Father, we just thank you for the gift of the giver. And as we plant seed into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, many souls will be one because of it. And Father, because we invoke right now the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, that it automatically invokes the rebuke of the devourer. So Father, we thank you for pay raises. We thank you for increase. We thank you for business ideas, businesses to prosper. And Satan, we tell you to get your hands off of God's people's finances in the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Ushers, if you'll serve the people. Praise God. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, verse 19. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about, I will not be defeated, and I will not quit. Amen. Um, obviously, many of you had a really long week this week, because I can just tell. Praise God. Amen. But you came to church anyway, which is an awesome thing. So Isaiah 59, verse 19 says this, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and in his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall set up a standard against him. Now, the King James says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, 
but that's not true. They put the comma in the wrong place. Translators put it there. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will set up a standard against them. That tells us that God is more powerful than the enemy in your life. So number one, you have to fight the good fight of faith. You don't hear very many messages on faith these days. No, you hear a lot of messages on you're the best you now. Comfort messages, cotton candy messages, cocoa puff messages, bonbon messages. Make me feel good. Make me feel good because I had a raunchy week. No, sometimes you, you have these situations in your life due to trials and tribulations which Jesus prophesied about, and you have to use your faith. What is faith? Faith is a firm persuasion. It is a confident expectation. It is the title deed of what you believe. Faith and belief is the same thing. You have to base the foundation of your life based upon the Word of God. It's the only thing that seems to be not movable these days and not changeable is the Word of God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on now, circumstances change, situations change, government changes. But God never changes. And you have to fight the good fight of faith. So therefore, it says here in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. If it wasn't a fight, come on now, what is it? It's a fight to keep it. If God's told you something, if it's in God's encourage you with something, the enemy will come, steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. I don't think people are really living the abundant life today. They're struggling. They're hurting. Their hearts are hurting. Their bodies are hurting. Their relationships are hurting. Things are shifting constantly. There's no stability. Well, the reason why is because they need God in their lives. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay a hold on eternal life. Wherefore thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. 1 John 5.4 says this, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You see, the word of God will do one or two things for you. It will either form a belief in you, or it will strengthen the beliefs you already have. The Word of God will either form a belief in you or strengthen the beliefs you already had. Hebrews 11.6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, you cannot put your trust in uncertain riches. Proverbs says, Be careful, it may sprout wings and fly away. So you can't put your trust in your job. You can't put your trust in your business. You can't put your trust in the government. You can't even put your trust in your spouse or your children or your grandchildren. No, you have to put your trust in God. And you have to believe that when he's given you an instruction and you're obedient to that instruction, you have to walk it out no matter what the storms of life may bring. Just remember, Jesus is in your boat. And when he tells you you're going to the other side, then you're going to the other side, even if the storm arises, even if the waves are crashing against your boat, even if the water is coming into your boat, you know you're not going to sink because Jesus is in your boat. Come on, somebody. And when Jesus says you're going to the other side, you can actually be bold and say, I will not be defeated and I will not quit. Listen, if all hell breaks loose against you, you know you have a firm foundation. We're standing on the solid rock. We're not standing on sinking sand. And who doesn't go through trials and tribulations and temptations? We all do. 
But we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of His testimony. See, many years they've said this, by the words of my testimony. It's not my testimony. The Revelation says His testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of His testimony. What did Jesus do? What was the testimony of Jesus? He overcame. He took the keys of death, hell, and a grave from Lucifer. Hello. He defeated principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And he gave those keys to you, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this last day, the church will rise up, will be powerful, will be glorious, will be the light of the world. Hello, somebody. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Weapons may form against you, but they will not prosper because God is going to carry you to the other side. Listen, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, thy word and thy spirit, they comfort me. And if God is for me, then who can even be against me? Not even the demons of hell can be against you when God is for you. Why is that? He's your front guard. He's your rear guard. Come on now. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at thy right hand, and it shall not come nigh thy dwelling. Listen, what's the worst? What's the absolute worst that could ever happen to you and me? Come on now, not losing your job, not losing your business, not bankruptcy, not divorce, not even cancer. The absolute worst. You're born again, you're full of the Holy Ghost, die and go to heaven. <laughs> Praise God. That's the, absolute, that's the absolute worst. No matter what you're facing right now, the absolute worst, die and go to heaven. And once you've been to heaven, you certainly don't want to come back to the earth, my brothers and sisters. I'm going to tell you right now, my goodness, golden streets. Come on now. It's not hot, it's not cold, it's just right. Come on, hello, you get to have a mansion, totally manicured, come on. You get to rejoice with the angels, you get to go to church every day. Come on now. And every time you go to a new part of heaven, you see a new aspect of God. I mean, probably the brand, when you walk into heaven and all of a sudden you see the flowers and you see the colors and you, you'll be meditating on that just for like years. On how beautiful God is and how wonderful he is. I'm sorry, it's not like you get, you know, wings. You, you don't become an angel like a fat baby in a diaper. You don't become like that, no. You have a glorified body. Come on, somebody. No pain, no sorrow, no brokenness. Hello, no tears. Come on, amen. And you get to rejoice with the angels for heaven. And then, the, you know, we get to come back after the seven-year tribulation period. And we get to reign and rule in a glorified body. Praise God. Amen. For a thousand years. And at the end of a thousand years, Satan is loose to tempt the nations and all that kind of stuff. And, and then the armies of God overcome him. And there's victorious and everything. And there's a great white throne judgment. And then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And who knows what the universe will look like. I mean, my God. I mean, you got eternity. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, you never really die. You just transfer locations. You get to live like forever. Come on now. This realm passes away, and then there's a new heaven and a new earth. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I know this is maybe we'll have a spaceship or something. We'll get to go to the universes, you know, all the galaxies of the world and get to check out things. And I mean, I don't know how it's going to be. I mean, there's got to be some indication. I mean, if they come up with Star Trek and Star Wars, there's got to be an indication of going to the nations of, of the earth, of the universe. I mean, and, and scientists tell us that the universe is ever expanding. So there is no end to that. Why? Because a creator has to create. Come on, hello, somebody. It's within the nature of a creator. Can you say amen? So you've got to build your faith. How do you build your faith? You build your faith through the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not just by heard. 
You just can't say, well, I heard that before. No, faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. How do you overcome your flesh? By putting the word of God in your heart. Psalms 119 verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So if you're having struggles in your weakness, you've got to get more of the word in you. You've got to spend time praising God. I know we're all busy. Busy, busy, busy. Working our jobs, working our businesses. Busy, busy, busy. But you can't forsake the one who has brought you into the prosperity that, that, that's overcoming you. You can't forsake. You've got to talk with him. You've got you to adopt a song. Oh, he walks with me and he talks with me and tells me I am his own. I don't know the rest of the song, but it sounds good anyway. Praise God. <laughs> Come on now. You got to talk with him. You got to walk with him. And when you mess up, you got to get on your knees and you got to repent. And you got to ask God to make you stronger in your weaknesses. That's what the mercy of God is for. That's what the grace of God is for. Listen, in your, in your, in your humanity, you will fail. But in your spirit, man, it's renewed day by day. So what do you got to do? Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. In the book of Luke chapter 18 verse 8 says this. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless when the son of man cometh. Will he find faith on the earth? The answer with me is yes. He will find faith. At least put it on my epitaph. He died but at least he believed God. Come on hello somebody amen. So you've got to build your faith. If you're going to live in a place that you will not be defeated and you will not quit and you're going to keep on going, you've got to fight that good fight of faith. Number two, do not be ignorant of the devil's devices. So many times people fall into the traps of the enemy is because they don't understand the devices of the enemy. In 2 Chronicles chapter 2 and 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 says this, lest Satan should get an advantage of, uh, of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. What are some of the devices of the enemy? Offense, unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, resentment. Come on now, your weaknesses in which you were delivered out of and the the revisitation of the temptations from the demonic spirit that influenced you when you were in your weaknesses. You cannot be ignorant of the devil's devices. He uses bitterness. He uses anger. He uses unforgiveness. I don't know if you know this or not, but if God wants to bless your life, he'll bring a person in your life. If Satan wants to curse your life, he'll bring a person in your life. It's up to you to determine who's from who. Hello, somebody. Amen. Because God can use people just, <laughs> just, oh, just as much as Satan can use people. You just got to determine. I heard one minister, he said, man, the ministry would be so wonderful if it wasn't for all the people. Praise God. Amen. I guess the planet would be absolutely wonderful if it wasn't for the 7 billion people on the planet. Come on now. Because it seems like people causes more problems in your lives. And, you know, another person that causes more problems in your life is the person you looked at in the mirror before you came to church. Hello, somebody. Come on now. It's one or the other. Sometimes Satan's getting the blame for something, and he's on the other side of the planet tormenting an Indian or a Chinaman somewhere. And he's like, I, I wasn't even in your neighborhood, and I'm getting the blame for it. Oh, you did it. Oh, that was a real strong amen this morning. Praise God. Amen. Come on now. Most of the time I get myself into troubles because of me. Not because of the devil. Because I yielded to something. Hello. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee with you. The Greek says in stark terror. 
Just develop the phrase that Nancy Reagan developed when her and her husband were president in First Lady about drugs. What was it? Just say no. No! Tell the devil to go to hell. That's what you need to do. Thank you for the one amen, Roderick. I really appreciate that. I said, tell the devil to go to hell. Come on now. If he's coming against you, tell him to go to hell. Be not ignorant of the devil's devices. How about distractions? I think most of the time, let's watch this, most of the time, if we're not spending time with the Lord, if we're not praising and worshiping, we're not reading our Bible, is because we're just too busy. And you have to understand something, too, about Satan. If he can't get you to compromise and sin, then he'll drive you. You'll be driven. Oh, I'm out in sin. I'm not doing anything. I'm just working hard. Yeah, you work so hard. Then all of a sudden you get symptoms in your body because you're working so hard. You know, sometimes preachers can work so hard to get symptoms in the body. Yeah, I had to combat some symptoms in the last few days because he's just doing too much. Come on now. That, that was my problem. That's our problem. For years it's been this way. It's, you know, we have to lean on the Lord and not work so hard day and night and for the advancement of the gospel. Like I said, you know, on the epitaph, he died, but man, he had faith in God. He, he worked it all. Did his, did his best he could do it. Are Pastor Marie and I perfect? No. Is this a perfect church? Absolutely not. Is this a word and spirit church? Absolutely. Do we say things and don't complete our sentences? Yes, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'll just tell you right now, I forget my sentences. I forget words to say within my sentences. But my brethren, I did not come to you with excellency of speech or superior words of man's wisdom, but I came to you in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the power so that your faith may not rest in the man's words of wisdom, but in the power of Almighty God. Hello, somebody. Even the Apostle Paul didn't have eloquent speech. I double dog dare you, you find a word and spirit church in Plant City, Florida. Please look, there's 160 churches. Find one. There's 160 churches in a 20 by 22 mile radius. 38,000 people in 160 churches. OMG. And I, I found out there's another one that just started. HCC seems to be the place where all the new church plants coming to Plant City to start a church. 161 now. Whatever happened to the verse, go ye into all the world. Oh, no, my God, God's sending another church to Plant City, Florida. I'm sure sometime before the end of the year, there'll be 162. I'm just going to say 162. And maybe we'll reach 165. 165. Why are you all looking at me like that for? I just kind of wonder sometime. I mean, my God, everybody just needs, all the churches in the Tampa Bay, Brandon, and Lakeland area need to move to Plant City because obviously Plant City needs more churches in Plant City. More power to them. Not down on them. Hope they can win more souls than anybody. Can you say amen? Distractions. Sometimes distractions. 
In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, it says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, and lest I should be exalted above measure. So what happened was this. The Apostle Paul, because of the revelations that he was getting and spreading of the gospel, two things happened with the Apostle Paul. Two events would happen. Either there would be a riot or there would be revival. Praise God. Amen. It was revival or riot. Because everywhere he go, either revival would break out or people would try to kill him. Praise God. Amen. Throw him off the building. Throw him off a cliff. Stone him. Whatever they wanted to do. Revival. So in other words, sometimes what happens is this. You know, you're trying to move in your relationship with God and you're trying to get better and better. And all of a sudden, all these distractions. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to get this finished. I got this date to complete. I got that timetable. I got this. I got this. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And all of a sudden now, you, you begin to neglect reading of the word. You begin to neglect prayer. You begin to neglect pray, praying and praise. Come on now. It's just all these distractions are coming at you. And all these deadlines. Be not ignorant of the devil's devices. How about this one? Discouragements. Anybody was discouraged this week besides me? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can I get four? Can I get a five? Can I get a six? Six, seven, eight, eight, eight. Yeah, sometimes you get discouraged. These discouragements. What is it to do? To throw you off the path of God. To keep you away from going toward God. How about your own flesh? Anybody warring with your own flesh this week? Absolutely. I've warred with my flesh this week. You know, attitudes and things you say and all that kind of stuff and not saying nice things and negative things and just diarrhea of the mouth. Anybody beside me had diarrhea of the mouth? Yes, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, appreciate it. Your honesty this morning, I appreciate it. Come on, hello somebody. You get discouraged. Things aren't going the way you want them to go. People aren't doing what you want them to do. Come on now. The government is taking more money out of your check than you they should. Holy Smoking coals on the altar of God. I mean, if I ever get audited, I, I will show them, you have half my money, please. Don't even come and knock on my door. Holy cow. How would you like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, to get a $4,800 tax bill that you've got to pay on the April 15th? Exactly. That would ruin your whole week, wouldn't it? Yeah. Surprise! We have a gift to the government. Praise God. Amen. I found that out this week from my accountant. Hail Mary, full of grace. Save us sinners as I stuff my face. No, I'm no, you go to the, Jesus, Jesus, I'm a son, I'm exempt. <laughs> Come on, hello somebody. Doesn't the Bible talk about that? Uh, I'm a son. I think a few Sundays ago, I thought it was Christmas. I didn't think I was going to pay for Christmas. Praise God. Amen. Surprise. So you all think you had a really rough week, huh? How would you like to have a $4,800 tax bill? <sighs> discouragements. Ever face discouragements? Yeah. 
facing discouragements. Psalms 24, 7 through 10 says this, Lift up your heads, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So listen, be encouraged. It's just another opportunity for God to show himself strong on your behalf. If he didn't fail you yesterday, he's not going to fail you today. If he didn't fail you six months from now, I mean six months ago, he won't fail you six months from now. What do you do? I will not be defeated and I will not quit. No matter what comes. Isn't it amazing? I have to believe God for things just like you do. Ah, it's just sometimes a little bigger. Hallelujah. I mean, in the words of my accountant, well, at least you really did good last year. (laughs) Yeah, but you failed to tell me that I needed to put some money away. Hallelujah. But that's okay. We got it. I said we got it. Might have to do a little rearranging, but we got it. (laughs) Have you ever had to to do a little rearranging, but you got it? Well, we got it. You have to be careful of your associations, too, because they can bring discouragement. Come on now. They can bring you down. Sometimes people that have best intentions, their best intentions aren't good enough. Come on, hello, somebody. Yeah, they're well-meaning. Hello. Like, like Pastor Marie tells a story, when we were at Ramah, the first year at Ramah, and her mom uh, contracted ovarian cancer. And when she walked into the door it, her, her, at the hospital, and so that her legs kind of wobbled a little bit. Just, you know, when she walked in, she saw all the flowers and everything, and she's like, like, like six weeks to live. I mean, she gets a miracle, or she's home with Jesus. I was talking about Deanne. Sherry's her second mom. Y'all didn't know that. So Deanne. So all of a sudden, some of the relatives, good intentions. Oh, listen, you don't, you don't need to go through this. You, you, if you need to just exit the room, we understand. I know you don't have to hand, you don't have to do this. Thank God what she said, full of faith. Oh, no, excuse me. No, I have to do this. I have to be in this room. I have to lay hands on my mother. I have to pray for her. I have to build her faith. I mean, how many times when relatives, when you're faced with something and you walk into a room, whether it's a funeral or whatever, oh, listen, you don't have to go through this. You don't have to do this. No, 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 I do have to do this. Because if I don't do this, it may live with me and be a hindrance for the rest of my life. I mean, my own mother, she's in heaven. But when my sister died at the age of 20 in a car accident, my mother built a shrine in her bedroom. On her desk, on her credenza desk, was a picture of my sister with candles and things like that. And every birthday, she'd light those candles. Years! And she never got over it. Oh, it's awful quiet in here. But people are going through that. Loss, can't handle loss and and pain and sorrow and distractions and discouragements. So what do you got to do? Sometimes you just got to stand up and say, I will not be defeated and I will not quit. I'm going to keep on going. If it hair lifts the devil, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on working. I'm going to keep on standing. When I've done all to stand, I'm going to stand some more. Sometimes you just have to have that bulldog tenacity. I'm not giving up. 
No matter how bad the pain, no matter how bad the hurt, no matter how bad the disappointment, I'm not going to throw in the towel. Can you say amen? Sometimes you have to be careful of the associations, especially if you're getting, going through something right now. They'll either encourage you or they'll seriously discourage you. You are always influenced by people every day. You will become like the ones you hang around. That goes for the people of the world, and that goes for Christians, and those aren't living right. You have to be very careful who you hang around and associations that you have. 1 Corinthians 15.33 out of the Amplified Version says this, Do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionships, communion and associations corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and character. Bad company corrupts good character. I never understood this missionary dating thing. You know, the young lady that's born again loves the Lord, who likes the bad boy. Come on, hello somebody. Oh, he's just so cute. I know I can change him. Because when I walked into his life, it changed his world. <laughs> well, you know, does he treat you right? Well, no, not really, but he's, he's clay and I'm the potter. Praise God. Amen. And I'll mold that man into what I want him to be. He'll fall in love with Jesus like he's fallen in love with me. First Corinthians 15, 13, out of the easy reversion says this, Don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. First Corinthians 15, 33, out of the God's Word translation says this, Don't let anyone deceive you. Associating with bad people will ruin decent people. You have to be careful of your associations because they're going to have an influence on you. They'll either influence you to go toward God or they will influence you to go away from God. They can actually influence you to get off the path of God and God's will for your life. Who's this evangelist guy? Was it Todd, Todd White? You know, he, if you hear his testimony, his wife persecuted him. Seriously persecuted him. Actually, at one point, wanted nothing to do with him. Because all he ever did was win souls. He'd go into Walmart and win souls and she'd get all embarrassed and flustered and all that kind of stuff. And she persecuted him for months upon months. He would go into his prayer room weeping uncontrollably, Lord, my wife, my wife, my wife. So people will do things under the guise of good intentions to influence your life. And you're, we are all influenced every day. We're influenced by social media, we're influenced by the radio, we're influenced by the television, we're influenced by movies, we're influenced by those that say they love us, but really they use us. So you have to be very, very careful. Where we are at today in our lives has been based upon decisions that we have made. The decisions that we have made yesterday determine where we are at in our lives today. And the decisions that we make today will be determined where we are our lives are tomorrow and next week, next month, and the next six months. Because life is about decisions. And you have to understand this. There's never a decision that anybody makes that does not affect the lives of others. 
Let me say that one more time because that was really powerful. There is never a decision that anybody makes that does not affect the lives of others. It's impossible. And most people, not all people, but most people are too concerned about themselves and they don't give a rip on who it's going to affect. The decisions our children have made affect the parents. Greatly. The children, the, our grandchildren, the decisions they have, they, they have affected somebody else. And sometimes it's a, it's a snowball effect. One person will be affected, then another person will be affected, and then another person will be And suddenly people are way off in left field, and then they don't understand how they even got there. Some people use this, especially in the church. Well, God said, God said, God said for me to come and hook up with you. God said, I've discovered in 24 years of ministry, when anybody walks to me and says, God said for us to come and hook up with you. I'm thinking, okay, great, wonderful, fulfill your call, just do whatever you want to do. Praise God, amen, work in the church, whatever. Because I know that if, if they come to me and say, God said for me to hook up with you, then the day that it gets really, really tough, and some responsibility and some accountability has got to come on them, then there'll be a day that they'll say, well, God's told me to leave. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> hello, somebody. So I, I'm very leery of, <laughs> come on, hello, somebody. <laughs> and then not only that, it'll affect other people that they've had an influence for six months, eight months, a year, two years, three years, four years. Come on, hello, somebody. Be careful who you hang around. Be careful who you listen to. Don't believe everything in the television. Don't believe everything on social media. Don't believe it. Come on, hello somebody. We are children of light. They are children of darkness. They are really royally messed up. I mean, really, I mean, actually to the borderline of totally demonic. When, when a state, listen, when a state says, and the mayor or whoever, governor or whoever of a, of a state says, it's okay to kill a baby after being born. It's all right to do that. That is ludicrous. You, you've lost your ever-loving mind. And then if you go down to Clearwater, and if you break open a turtle egg, it costs you $100,000 and five years in prison. Come on, somebody. Hello. You mean to tell me if I kill the, the little baby turtle trying to get to the sea? but I kill a baby outside the womb just after birth? You lost your mind. You are, you, listen, truly, some people need to be seriously committed. When you talk and you make no sense, you say one sentence and then another sentence and then another sentence and your paragraph, you obviously failed comprehension in high school. Because you can't comprehend anything. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Some of the weakest people are the ones who bark the most. Some of the most influential people are the ones who hardly say anything at all. You have to be careful of the associations you have. Number three, be encouraged. God will never leave you nor forsake you. 
So to say the phrase, I just don't feel God's around me, is absolutely a lie. God is everywhere. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never relax his hold on you. Listen, you're his most precious creation. You're the greatest creation of all everything that God's created. You're his most precious creation. The book of Hebrews chapter 1 says, even of the angels, they have said, what is man? You are so mindful of him. You see, Jesus didn't come for angels. He came for humanity. He came for you and me. We're his most precious creation. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6 says this, Be strong and good and courageous. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, it is he that doeth thee well. He will not fail you, nor forsake you. Ever. In the book of Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5 says this, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. See, it's Satan that will say, Oh, you've lost the anointing. Oh, you're in the flesh all the time. Oh, you can't do that. You can't. Oh, we can't do this. It's all negative, 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 negative. I know the COO of CNN. It's Lucifer, praise God, amen. Because CNN says it's continual negative news. That's the reason why it is. And we live in a negative world. And every week we are bombarded with negativity. Barely making it, barely getting by, not going to have the victory. The only thing that will last in these last days is this right here. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Listen, as long as you're standing on this right now, it doesn't matter if the winds are blowing. It doesn't matter if the waves are crashing. It doesn't matter what anybody says. God's word trumps the negativity in this world. You are the light of the world. You are the soul of the earth. You are the only Jesus anybody ever sees. When I look in your eyes, I see Jesus in your eyes because you're full of light. Why do you think Satan hates you so much? Because number one, you were created in the image of God and Satan hates God. Number two, Satan used to be anointed and he ain't anointed no more. You are. And he wouldn't bother you so much if he didn't feel so threatened. I wish I had a friend in here this morning, praise God, amen. Please don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Listen, you got to develop that phrase. I will not, say that with me. I will not be defeated. One more time. I will not be defeated. And I will not quit. Say it one more time. I will not be defeated. And I will not quit. Say it like you mean it. I will not be defeated. And I will not quit. Woo. Listen, right before, right before you get to the other side, the storm is calmed. And when you step out of the boat, it stirs up every devil in that area. Did you know that's what happened? When the disciples went across to the other side, Jesus stepped out of the boat, and two demonized people started manifesting. Did you know that? Started talking to him. What are you doing? That's Jesus, son of God. Have you come to torment us before our time? <laughs> Is that what they said, right? They said, oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> come out! <laughs> In the name of Jesus. 
Now, isn't it amazing? Jesus didn't say, who's your mother? Who's your brother? The Bible does say that they were, they were full of legion. You know how much of a legion is? Six to 10,000 demons was in those two guys. Talk about a bad hair day. They would cut themselves with bones, be in the graveyard, no, didn't have any clothes on. That ought to tell you something about the nudist camps in Florida. Praise God, amen. Could be full of devils. Some of the visitors here this morning are like, my God, what did we get ourselves involved with? What did he say? Go! All six to 10,000 devils went into 2,000 pigs. The 2,000 pigs ran down the hill into the water. That ought to tell you what devils do. They were tormented. You know, I've always liked Thanksgiving. And the reason why I like Thanksgiving is because I like deviled ham. So where do you think they got deviled ham from? First devil ham right there. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what happened to pork belly stock that day. I'm sure the pork belly stock <laughs> crashed and burned. Come on, hello, somebody. Angel eggs and deviled ham. Praise God. Amen. Can't you ever wonder why it seems everybody seems to be coming in your family members, situations like, my God, can I just cut a break? You're, you're threatening. You're, you're, you're threatening Satan's kingdom. That's the reason why he dislikes you so much. Remember, I said to you, you were created in God's image. He hates you. Not only that, you're anointed and he's not anymore. Lucifer is not anymore. And you're advancing the kingdom of God because many of you are coming on the mission trip. Many of you are winning souls. Many of you are in Life Christian University. Many of you, you're in church today. God, oh my God, you're in church today. You to be commended. When there's those leaving church, you decided to come to church. That's the most amazing thing. Anytime you hear the word of God, the Bible says immediately Satan comes to steal it out of your heart. Immediately. He doesn't want you encouraged. He doesn't want you lifted up. He doesn't want you. He wants you defeated. And sometimes you just got to stand up and say, I will not be defeated and I will not quit. I don't care if there's a $4,800 bill that's due on April 15th. I will not be defeated. I will not quit. God's never failed me and he hasn't failed me in the past. He's not going to fail me now. I put my trust in God. So, dear saints, I'm preaching to myself this morning, too, because I needed encouragement. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So be encouraged. God will never leave you, and he will forsake you. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5, out of the Amplified Version of the Bible, this is a very powerful scripture, and it says this, Let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, avariance, lust, craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly, I will not. I will never do it, he says. 
because he walks with us and he talks with us and he shows us. Sometimes when you're at the lowest low, that is the greatest miracle you'll get. When you feel the loneliest, that's some of the greatest miracles you get. So what do you have to do during these times? You've got to draw close to God. And if you draw close to God, He'll draw close to you. In 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, it says this, And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that regard for the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee, but bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played, the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, Thus saith the Lord. There's something about the presence of God when you begin to face your circumstances with your hands lifted on high. When you begin to... Praise the Lord in your circumstance. The hand of the Lord will come upon you. And that anointing will come upon you. His presence will come upon you. And when His presence comes upon you, peace fills your very soul. Joy fills your very being. Even though you're facing circumstances that you cannot change and you don't know how you're going to get through. There's something about worshiping God that will bring His presence. And James 4.8 says this, Draw close to God and He will draw close to you. In Psalms 24, 3 and 5, it says this, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, whom God hath lifted up unto soul and to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. Psalms 91, 1 says this, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. In Exodus 3, 5, it says, And he said this, Draw nigh thither, put off thy shows of thy feet, for the place where you stand is, is holy ground. If you'll draw close to God in these circumstances, the things of the world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. No matter what you're facing, no matter what the trial, the tribulation, you have to remember it's just another opportunity for God to show himself strong on your behalf. Come on, stand to your feet if you would, please. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I will not be defeated. And I will not quit. You just keep on going. Just keep on moving forward. The Bible says a righteous man or woman falls seven times, but they rise again. Just remember when you stumble and you fall, just make sure you fall forward. Because it's a little easier to get up because the momentum is forward. And we're all going to fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the continual war, which is kind of good news, because you get the victory. You have a war within your member. Because we are of the earth, our flesh does earthly things. It's of the earth. But your born-again spirit, man, is from heaven. And it wants to do heavenly things. And there's that constant war. So what do you do? You have to crucify your flesh daily. Pick up the cross of Christ and carry it with you as you're renewing your spirit from glory unto glory and grace to grace. These are the last days. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming for his own. And I believe that he's preparing his bride. We are the bride of Christ. In relation only, not male, female, gender. The body of, the body of Christ is not female, gender. It doesn't have um, confusion issues. It's, it's in relationship. 
He's the bridegroom, we're the bride. It's relationship, not gender. And because we are the bride of Christ, the Bible says in the book of Galatians, he's coming back for a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. What does that mean? Before that eastern sky is split, anything and everything that's broken in your life will become unbroken. Anything and everything that is sick, it will become healed. Because he's coming back for a church, a glorious church, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He's coming back for the church, just like the Israelites came out of Egypt. Hello, a million of them. There was not one feeble monk among them, not one sick among them. They plundered the Egyptians. What does that mean? That which 1 John says, healthy and wealthy. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So before that day... Before that day, before Jesus comes, before the rapture. Folks, a rapture is going to happen. You may not hear that on Christian television. You may not hear that. A rapture is going to take place. A catching away of the church is going to... We are not destined for destruction. Hello, somebody. Jesus became the curse for us, so therefore you and I are not a cursed people. I don't care what people say. You are not cursed. Jesus became a curse. You're not cursed. You're blessed, highly favored. And that is Bible. Come on now, you got the greater one on the inside of you. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Wherever you go, God goes. That's the most amazing thing. The God of the universe makes his home, abides, lives on the inside of you. But you'll struggle in your humanity. You'll struggle in your flesh. So if I struggle in my flesh, what do I got? 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me, cleanse you, cleanse you, cleanse you, cleanse you, wash you clean, purify you with his love. With his love. And he'll take the pain out of your heart because he says, I bind the brokenhearted. I heal the wounded soul. And it was bought, paid the price. The blood of Jesus is sufficient to remove all the guilt of stains. And that is not just a religious cliche. It is actually reality. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that washes clean and purifies. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.